we as humans have pretty limited eyesight when you think about it. We can only see what is directly in front of us. We can't see through opaque objects, and we can't see th around walls. There could be a wolf or a bus rushing at us around that corner, but until we round the building, we would never know. Being able to see around corners and through walls sounds like the stuff spy movies are made of, but if we could figure out a way to do this, it would give us a huge leg up, especially when it comes in conjunction with technologies such as self-driving cars. We might not be able to see around a wall, but if our car could, it would be able to stop before that bus speeding at us flies through the red light. This is Spark Dialogue Podcasts. You can find us at sparkdialogue.com, on Facebook and Twitter, or wherever you find your podcasts. Spark Dialogue tells the stories of science and technology and how they relate to our society, philosophy, history, ethics, politics, art, and the future. I'm your host, Elizabeth Fernandez. Spark Dialogue Podcast continues to operate with the help of listeners like you. In return for your support, you'll be given a chance to participate in the podcast, ask questions to our guests, suggest topics, and even to see advanced content. I've also received the first edition Spark Dialogue podcast pins. As a thank you to all of my patrons who have given me support for at least three months or longer, I'm going to send you one of these pins. I really love pins. They're super cool. So you can find more information on becoming a patron at patreon.com slash sparkdialogue. Hello, my name is David Lindell, and I'm a PhD student in the Stanford Computational Imaging Lab. David is working on a camera that can do all sorts of superhuman things, like see through walls and see around corners. Making such a special camera is much different than creating a normal camera, which, like our eyes, can only see what is in front of it. Our cameras works differently than how normal cameras work. Uh, if you take a picture with a normal camera, you point that camera directly at the object you want to image. Our camera is different in that uh, you actually are trying to image objects that are uh, hidden behind an occluder or hidden around a corner. How is this possible? Cameras, this one included, work by receiving light. But the difference is this camera not only receives light, but can also send out light as well. In this case, we're actually using the camera to send out uh, light that hits a visible surface, like a wall, bounces off that surface to the object that you want to image, and that object scatters some light back to the wall and then back to our camera. And so there are two things that are special about this. That, that light is emitted by a special type of laser that sends out very short pulses of light to this visible wall. And the camera can actually measure the time it takes for that pulse of light to travel to the wall to this object that we want to image uh, and that light will travel back to the wall and back to our camera. And then based on these time delays and how long it takes for light to travel that distance, um, we work out the image of this hidden object. So in our case, the laser was at 532 nanometers. That means that's the wavelength and that just means the color of the laser. So if you were to look at it, it would appear green. Now, most LiDAR systems, um, and these are laser-based systems that are put on top of self-driving cars to help them map out 3D geometry and navigate around, they use a wavelength that's in the infrared regime. The reason they use infrared wavelengths is that it's easier to turn up the power and still be eye safe. So if you're walking around a self-driving car 
And this laser system is spinning and sending out light. And some of the light happens to go into your eye. It's not going to damage your retina. Um, and so it's desirable to have higher power lasers so that you can see longer distance, further away, or that you can scan faster, but you don't want that laser to potentially harm anyone. And so a lot of these systems will work in the infrared. For us, we're building a prototype system, and so it was fine to use uh, something that was green. The idea is sort of like echolocation that bats and dolphins use. Animals like this make small pulses of sound, which can bounce off surfaces and then return to the animal's ears. Because they have two ears, the slight difference in time it takes for the echo to return to each ear helps the animal to know where the object is. I think that was that was kind of a motivation for me to try it out, because we know that bats use sound and have this sort of echolocation, dolphins as well. And I've even heard of uh, people that have lost their sight, uh, people who are blind can use, um, they can make these clicks with their tongue and listen for the echoes and that there may be, uh, or I've read some articles that say that these people have actually developed a capability to kind of infer, you know, some sense of spatially what's happening, maybe around the corner and certainly within direct line of sight. The inspiration also came from a similar technology. You may remember Jurassic Park. At the beginning of the movie, at the dig site, they use a ground-penetrating radar to map out a dinosaur skeleton that's still beneath the rock. Although this scene left geologists and archaeologists squirming in their seats uncomfortably, and entire subreddits passionately going on about how scientifically inaccurate the scene is, you get the idea. Both David's camera and this scene in Jurassic Park are inspired by a technology called seismic imaging systems. So non-line-of-sight imaging has been around... um for several years now, there was a kind of hallmark paper that came out in 2012 where people began demonstrating this, but the algorithms were, you know, trying to actually recover the, these hidden objects from the measurements that you capture was a really hard problem. And the algorithms required many hours of compute time. And so we've been trying to understand, well, how can we take these measurements and recover an image of the hidden object in a way that's really computationally efficient and practical and doesn't take, you know, several hours on specialized hardware. And so for some inspiration on how to do this, we began digging into the literature in seismic imaging. And so in seismic imaging, they're interested in actually mapping out the underground surfaces. And this is useful for a number of reasons, including geologic exploration and uh, finding out where minerals and resources are. And this field is pretty mature. They've been doing this for a long time. So they have a lot of really great techniques to map out these underground structures. And so what they do is take a pressure plate or create explosions on the earth's surface. And these explosions create pressure waves that propagate down through the earth and bounce back from the layers underground. And then on the surface, they have geophones. These are really just microphones that pick up these pressure waves that are coming back up from the underground structures. And then based on the arrival of these returning waves, they can create a map of the underground geometry. So we looked at this and we realized that these techniques are actually fairly similar to what we're trying to do in that, you know, we have not waves of pressure, but waves of light. And these waves are being emitted essentially from this visible wall 
that we're illuminating and are propagating out to this hidden object and then scattering back. And so we realized that we could adapt some of these really efficient and nice reconstruction algorithms from seismology to our application of non-line-of-sight imaging. So why would you need to see around corners in the first place? I mean, besides it just sounding really cool. Well, cameras like this that could see around corners or through walls could be really helpful in equipping self-driving cars to deal with all sorts of useful situations, like seeing a bus behind a building that's about to run a red light, or seeing a small child that is playing in the street around the corner. Self-driving cars are a really attractive application for this type of technology. Being able to see around corners or see behind occluders or things that are blocking your view. One reason for that is that self-driving cars already have these types of LiDAR systems on them. And the prototype system that we built is essentially a LiDAR system. So we have a laser that sends out a pulse of light, and we have a detector that measures the time it takes for that light to return. And this is exactly how the systems on self-driving cars work. The difference is that systems on self-driving cars are mapping out 3D geometry only within objects or only for objects that are within direct line of sight. And what we're doing is different in that we can actually image these objects that are occluded or around the corner. And so we see these, we see our uh, approaches kind of complementary to these existing LiDAR systems that are already on self-driving cars. And you can imagine that'd be very useful, you know, if you were able to kind of peer around a corner, maybe you're coming up to a blind turn, you could see a car that's coming, or maybe you can see uh, if there's a person that suddenly jumps out into the road as you're about to take a, a turn, or if you're in traffic and you want to be able to kind of map out your surroundings beyond the cars that are just directly around you, maybe you can bounce the light off of the road or off of surrounding buildings to do this type of imaging. We use mirrors to see around corners all the time. Light from the object bounces off the mirror, which arrives at our eyes. This works because mirrors are perfectly reflective. David's camera essentially makes all materials like a mirror, and should be able to work even when the wall is not just reflective, but is also made out of brick or stone. So there's a whole kind of spectrum to these surface reflectances uh, that you could look at. So of course, if the wall were a perfect reflector, like a mirror, then it would be very easy to kind of see around the corner. The problem would basically already be solved. Um, The most difficult case is when the wall is actually more of kind of a a flat mat type reflectance, or we call this a Lambertian reflector, where the light hits the wall and then actually scatters out in all directions. And so what's actually happening there is that the wavefront of light that you send out becomes kind of scrambled and uh, scattered out in all directions. Whereas what a mirror would do is uh, actually preserve that wavefront and redirect it around the corner. And that's why when you look into a mirror, the image is perfectly clear and crisp. If you look uh, onto the surface surface of a a kind of matte wall, um, actually it's taking in the light from all the objects in the room, but then kind of scrambling it. And that's why it has this kind of flat appearance. We're particularly interested in the hardest case where all the light is kind of scattered out. Um, However, we've noticed, and this is, and this is what we're modeling with our, you know, mathematical reconstruction, which takes in the measured light and produces the image of the hidden object. Um, So we assume in that mathematical model that the wall is diffusely reflecting or is Lambertian. 
But in practice, we've taken our system outdoors, we've scanned sides, sides of buildings that have a kind of stone surface, uh, and it works very well. And we've also, you know, conducted experiments indoors with just a white painted wall, and that also works fairly well. This is a difficult problem to solve. You can imagine sending out photons of light, photons that bounce off the wall, bounce off the object you are trying to see, and then bounce off the wall again to be collected by your camera. If you take a long exposure, or you have your shutter open for a long time, you can collect a lot of these photons, and your picture will become really clear. However, especially in the case of self-driving cars, you want to see things in real time. You want to see that bus hurtling towards you, not just a smeared out picture of the bus as it travels. To do that, you want a movie, and this makes the problem considerably harder. That means you don't have the luxury of taking a long exposure and collecting lots of photons. Your camera has to be fast enough and sensitive enough to collect photons on the fly. If you check out the show notes at sparkdialogue.com, I have a link to a movie that you can see this camera in action, and just what it looks like to see around corners in real time. This movie will give you an appreciation for just how awesome this camera is, and how hard it is to solve this problem. So I've watched the YouTube video. I guess that was you dressed up in the in the bunny suit or something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so for people, for the listeners who haven't seen that video, can you describe uh, what was going on in the video and what it what it shows? Yeah, so one challenge has always been trying to get this imaging system to capture events that are live or, or objects that are moving around. And so can you get enough light scattered you know, to the wall and back from the hidden object to capture the measurements with a high enough signal quality that you can actually reconstruct objects that are moving? This is kind of like taking an, an image with your camera with a very short exposure time. And uh, if you're a photographer, you know that shorter exposure times lead to grainier or noisier images. And it's the same for us. So this is why capturing a moving object is so challenging. So in this setup, we had the laser scanning out a kind of raster scan pattern or a grid on this wall. So if you watch the video, you can kind of see the laser scanning back and forth along this wall. And then I'm standing uh, a couple meters away from the wall and walking around. And you can actually see then in our measurements, again, we're only looking at just this visible surface of the wall not me where I'm moving around, we can actually reconstruct what I'm doing and where I'm moving. Now, also, if you see the video, you see that I'm dressed up in a special kind of suit. Um, and it's actually one of these reflective um, running suits. And uh, it's a retroreflective suit, which means that it is very reflective and reflects a lot of light back to the wall. And so this just allows us to get a bit more signal um, so that we can actually do this fast scanning mode or capture these moving objects. In the real world, though, the objects you might be wanting to look at don't necessarily have this very reflective surface. So can you see other objects as well that aren't as shiny and aren't as reflective? Yeah, absolutely. So in the real world, there are a whole host and variety of different surface reflectances that we might be interested in capturing. And this is actually a main contribution of our recent work is to be able to handle objects with different reflectances. So we've captured objects that are kind of diffusely reflecting. Um, we've captured a disco ball that has all these mirror facets on it and gives off these specular reflections. And we've captured objects that are kind of in between. We have this big statue of this 
a big statue of a dragon that kind of has this glossy sheen, and we can reconstruct that as well. The challenge for objects that are less reflective is that you have less signal that comes back. Uh, they less fewer photons are scattered back to our imaging system, and so you may need longer exposure times to reconstruct these objects. Um, but in in the general case, we can work with um, a variety of different reflectances. Some are just more challenging than others. Now, the particular case of retroreflective materials, like this tracksuit that I had on, now these are very interesting because. Um, they're kind of the easiest materials to work with, or they're the the most reflective. And these actually pop up quite a bit around us. So for example, if you wanted to put a camera that could see around corners on a car and you're on the road, you would notice that there are actually a lot of objects that are retroreflective. For example, street signs, um, car Lights are retroreflective. License plates have a retroreflective coating. These orange traffic cones typically have retroreflectors on them. Um, And so these would actually show up very brightly in our reconstructed images. In the real world, not everything is shiny. And not everything reflects well in the visible, like David's camera is using now, or in the infrared. Sure, we have reflective signs, construction cones, and even the white line on the road. But how would the camera see things that aren't as reflective, like a tree branch or a small child? Typically, objects that are uh, lighter or brighter will give the most, the strongest returns. So the things that are really hard to see are things like the pavement itself, if it's very black, or car tires, or maybe if that tree limb that fell on the road is uh, is very dark. These might be hard to pick up on, especially at much longer ranges. Because uh, for these conventional LIDAR systems and for systems that are trying to see around the corner in general, the farther away the object is, um, the less light that returns. That light pulse that you send out has to travel all the way to that object. And then the light will scatter in all directions. And it, it scatters out so much by the time it reaches you, if the distance is very long, that it may be hard to pick up on that signal. So generally, the, the brightest objects um, are the ones, the most reflective ones are the ones that we can pick up on easiest. But humans give off heat, right? So perhaps using an infrared laser rather than a visible laser would make it easier to see people in the street, right? When we talk about the infrared regime, these lasers are operating at about 15-50 nanometers. The wavelengths of heat are typically longer. So like when you buy a thermal camera, that's picking up these heat signatures, those are typically longer wavelengths. So as far as I understand it, that's not necessarily contributing to the signal that we're receiving. Mm -hmm. Is there any way to change something, tweak something in in the camera to make things like that easier to see? You can certainly do things on the side of the imaging system. You can try to make the receive optics bigger so that you can collect more light. You can try to make the detectors more sensitive, or you can increase the laser power to a certain extent because you don't want to go above eye safety limits. Um, So there are things you can do on the imaging side, but there are also things you can actually do on the side of the environment. So I think I just came across an article that was talking about how you could apply, you know, say you want to buy a car and you really want that car to be black. Well, you may be able to apply an additional coating in the paint that makes it black at visible wavelengths, but very bright 
at infrared wavelengths so that the lasers, these laser-based imaging systems can easily see it. Um, and, and I've also heard of companies that are interested in applying different coatings to, uh, you know, street signs or objects on the road to make them similarly very bright at these infrared wavelengths. Also in the real world, you might not be able to always have a wall directly in front of you that you can use to reflect light off of. Would it still be possible to see around corners in these cases? That's actually an open area of research, and we've looked into this a bit. But for our technique to work, you have to have some intermediate visible surface that provides a path for the light to scatter off of and then hit the thing that you're interested in. And so if you're in completely open space, maybe you're able to use the pavement, maybe you're able to use, if there's a car around you, you can kind of use that as a cooperative target that allows you to bounce light off of. But certainly that's a requirement for our approach as we, as we have it now, that you need these intermediate surfaces. And uh, one thing we've been working on is trying to address the challenge of, you know, what if that surface isn't a perfectly flat wall? What if it's somewhat irregular? Um, and it turns out that we have computational techniques that we can apply to, ob- to surfaces that aren't perfectly flat or have some irregular shape to them. And, and, and so this is actually an interesting open area of research. Besides seeing around corners, you can also give these cameras superhuman sight by allowing them to see through things. It turns out that the problem of seeing through something isn't that different than seeing around corners. We're interested in also being able to see through things. So this comes up in a number of different applications. Uh, for example, for autonomous cars, what if it's rainy or what if there's fog? Can you actually see through the fog to these other cars that are on the road or these other objects that you're interested in imaging? Or for biomedical imaging, this is a, a common challenge. You want to be able to see through the tissue of the human body to see uh, maybe the organs or if there's to, to try and understand if there's maybe a tumor or some object inside the human body that you're interested in imaging. And this also comes up in other remote sensing applications. So for example, there are telescopes that we have on the earth and these telescopes, we want to use them to image objects that are far out in deep space, but we've got this layer of atmosphere on the earth that's between the telescope and the object in deep space. And that act, that layer is actually scattering the light. So this problem of imaging through scattering media is actually very relevant and very similar to this problem of imaging around corners because it involves the same process of scattered light. And so we think that we can apply algorithms that are similar to, or at least similar in spirit to what we've done with imaging around corners to this other problem, which is very similar, of imaging through scattering media. Cameras like this would have all sorts of applications. We talked about, of course, self-driving cars, or even equipping surgeons with cameras like this to see around or through tissues. But the possibilities are really endless. People can think of a lot of applications, and there are certainly defense applications. And a lot of the research that we've done has been has been funded by a, a DARPA project around this work and that several schools have been participating in. We're also th- we also think that this could be really useful for things like search and rescue, where you need to see through maybe smoke that's uh, coming out of a building, or that you need to, where you need to see around rubble. Maybe you have 
some sort of autonomous vehicle that's going in and, and needs to see around these occluders to understand, you know, where the people are and who needs to be extracted. Um, and I think there are also very other very interesting remote sensing applications. I heard of someone talking about, you know, say you have a satellite-based imager around the moon and you kind of want to see in to the caverns, uh, you know, on the moon or maybe even on the earth. And you've got to kind of see around the corner there to map out the 3D geometry and understand what these surfaces look like, especially in the context of planning, you know, future voyages, maybe to the moon or Mars and looking for where we could build habitats. So that application is a little more far out, but still, I think, very interesting. The technology still has a long way to go, but it's exciting to think about the possibilities. Perhaps in the future, our cars will have superhuman sight. They'll be able to see through fog and around corners. Surgeons will be able to operate and disturb less of the tissue. It will make the future safer and a lot, lot cooler. Spark Dialogue Podcast is produced by me, Elizabeth Fernandez. You can find us on the web at sparkdialogue.com. And I really appreciate you listening. Check out the podcast on social media. And remember, you can become more involved in the podcast at patreon.com slash sparkdialogue. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode. Some of the background music you heard was produced by me. Others are clips from Superpower Cool Dude, Inspired, Funko Rama, Work, and Your Call, all by Kevin McLeod, found at filmmusic.io. More information and links to these songs can be found in the show notes at sparkdialogue.com. <laughs>